Well, this morning we're continuing our series called Hearts Wide Open. And uh, if you've been with us these last few weeks, we started uh, uh, with a look at Enoch. And uh, it says that Enoch uh, walked with God. He had fellowship with God. And we talked about that, that his life was in some way, shape, or form intentional. It wasn't just clicking into autopilot and going through life just like everyone else. My encouragement to us uh, two weeks ago was that you would make an intentional move to fellowship with God this year. That it wouldn't just be, okay, same old, same old, uh, doing what we used to do and uh, autopilot through life, but intentionally taking a step toward God. Last week we talked about Abram and uh, the, 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 the ask for him to sacrifice that which was of utmost importance and his cherished possession uh, to go and sacrifice his son Isaac and the trust that took place there in, in finding that God was a God who provides. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Do we or don't we believe that God is a God who provides? We've been talking about it's one thing to say, I do. It's one thing to, to lay down the belief, this is what we believe. It's another thing to step that out practically and walk that out in our day-to-day lives. And what I believe the Lord is calling us to as individuals, as families, and as a congregation is take a step back and say, whatever you want. My heart's open to you. I'm not going to try to predetermine the outcome of this. Um, If you're like me, you like to manage. Um, You you like to set things up. You like the predictability of life, even though that's almost impossible. But I think at times we step into a relationship with God and we say, well, here's the predictability that I see and this is the way I see it. And we're falling short. We're we're missing all the blessings that he has for us in this life, today, tomorrow, this year, blessings for those around us, and obviously uh, the impact that he wants us to have. Uh, Imagine this. Imagine going up to one of the car dealerships, your favorite car dealership, and buying like your dream car. You buy your dream car, and you, you pay the money, and you got the, you got the, um, the, the, the paperwork for it, and uh, you go over to that car, you've just bought it, and um, you reach in, you put the keys in, or you, you know, um, and you just click it into neutral, and you, you say thank you to the salesman, and then you proceed to push it out of the car dealership. How ridiculous would that be? How, you know, okay, here's all the power, all the, you know, if you're like me, you want the sports car, or you might be the big truck person, or whatever it is, but just whatever that is, just imagine yourself getting behind it and pushing it out of the dealership, and everyone looking at you going, dude, the thing's got an engine, the thing's got power, the thing's got all the, you know, and yet you're pushing it. Let's go a step further, you know, you might just look at it and go, you know, I'm really not an air conditioning type of guy. I just, you know, I know it's got air conditioning. I know it's that, but you know, I had a, I had a bad experience with air conditioning about eight years ago, and I'm just, you know, I'm just gonna not push that button. Or cruise control, you know, cruise control. It's, you know, I think it's highly overrated, and you know, everyone talks about cruise control as if it's like the best thing in there. You know, forget it. I'm not using this cruise control. I just don't want, you know. You can come up with all sorts of reasons for me to use the cruise control. I'm just not going to use it. 
whatever it is, we're, we're sitting there, and I believe, to, to follow through with this illustration, many of us come to Christ, and yet we're sitting there pushing it out of the dealership, or we're sitting there looking at all these things that God has promised for us and to us, all of these, these blessings, and we're saying, you know what, uh, you know, my dad wasn't big on that, and you know, my daddy's dad wasn't big on that, so I guess I'm just not big on that. I'm not an air conditioning type of guy. I'm not a cruise control type of guy. And what we're doing is we're precluding what God has for us in our lives based on our whims, our fancies, or our wanting to manage. Can we simply take a step back and say, God, whatever you have for us, whatever this looks like, can we step in, can we, can we fully embrace all of the amenities, all of the resources, everything that you have for us? Every benefit, every resource, all wisdom, all of the supernatural resources attributed to us on our behalf. Would you just come and do that? You're a good God. I know what you're like. And I know you have plans for my life, for dreams, goals, for priorities, decisions, relationships, and I want all of that on your terms, not on mine. For some of you, that might be a little scary. Maybe for all of us, it's scary. But I encourage you, and as hopefully you've picked this up over the last few weeks, we're looking first and foremost to the character of God, who He is, what He's like. And deducing that he certainly will be true to his word. Why don't you turn your Bibles to John chapter 14. And we'll get there in just a minute. But I want to set a context of Jesus and his disciples. They've, they've been walking with him for quite some time. And they are all in. They are all in. They're committed. He's, he's talked about the kingdom of God. He's talked about the kingdom of this world. And he's talked about this natural progression. of the, This next step of him setting up his kingdom. And they're excited about this. They're, they're, they're jazzed. They're, they're, they're all in. And there is this excitement. But then Jesus in chapter 13, verse 33, he says this. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And they're going, what? Hold on. You've talked about your kingdom. You've talked about the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of heaven, and that the kingdom of heaven will be set up here on earth and that you are the one who will bring that kingdom to earth and we are a part of that kingdom and, and now you're not going to be with us? What's going on? And their lives are instantly sent into turmoil. Their lives are instantly turned upside down and and. and failing to understand exactly what's going on. Take a look at verse 1 of chapter 14. This is where Jesus speaks into their lives and he starts to peel back the layers of this onion of what they're not understanding. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. That's what I was saying a few moments ago. Will you trust him? You know the character of God. You know who He is. You know what He's like. Jesus was saying, you've walked with me for this many years. Will you trust me on this? Will you trust me for a moment that I, I, I know what I'm doing? And I know what's best? And Jesus paints this picture of this cosmic, supernatural, eternal plan. And tries to bring some sense to the perspective of what 
the disciples are seeing, and that is a finite understanding of time and space in this physical realm. He goes on, says, I'm going away, but I will come back. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the way to the Father. You can be certain of that. He says, you've seen me, and if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And they're just continuing to be bewildered by all of this. Look at verse 15 of John chapter 14. Jesus goes on, he says, if you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Uh, uh, An explanation of that would be a supporter, a backer, a promoter. An advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you in all truth. Jump down to verse 24, the second half of verse 24. It says, what I am telling you, so this is Jesus continuing to talk to his disciples, is what I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, and and unless there's any confusion, he, he hones it in and he explains what he's talking about. He says, my representative, that is the Holy Spirit. Just so there's no confusion, this is who I'm talking about. He says, he will lead you, sorry, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. So there's this interaction, and what was troubling to them is this news that Jesus was going away. And he assures them that he is coming back, and he reassures them, saying, during this time that I am away, you will have the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the one who comes alongside you and and equips you for what you need to carry on this, this ministry. Jump ahead to Luke chapter 24, and I know we're clipping along through the book of Luke, but chapter 24, we fast forward to a time after Jesus has gone to the cross, he's been crucified, he's been buried, and he's risen from the dead. And after he rose from the dead, we're told that he made many appearances, appearances, and he interacted with many people, hundreds in fact. On many different occasions. And on, uh, in Luke 24, verse 44, here he's talking once again to the disciples. This is a, a post-resurrection Christ talking to the disciples. Verse 44, he said to them, Remember, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Verse 45, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And this, this uh, leads us to believe, and it, it gives us evidence that, that to this point, uh, his, um, his essence and what he'd been teaching was somewhat veiled from them. And here, it, it's these, these scales are taken off their eyes, and he reveals to them exactly what's going on. Verse 46, he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. He goes on to say, you are witnesses of these things. And then he reminds them again what he said before. 
He says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And that's important. Stay in the city. There's this promise that the father has given that you will be clothed with power from on high. Now, it's one thing for us to to get to this point in Scripture and think that all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's almost like this um, jack-in-the-box, pop, and and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit manifests. You know, um, up until this point, uh, hasn't existed, and then all of a sudden, just this one point in time, hey, the Holy Spirit's going to come. No. The truth of the matter is the Holy Spirit is one of the, the, the persons of the Trinity, eternal in all aspects. There was never a time when God the Father did not exist. There will never be a time when God the Father doesn't exist. Same with the Son, Jesus the Son. Same with the Holy Spirit. And the evidence is all through Scripture. Go back to Genesis 1. It says that, that the world was formless and void. And what was? The Spirit was hovering over the deep. Even at creation, there you have the activity of the Holy Spirit. We step through the Old Testament and, and you have these, these phrases of the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord, all throughout Scripture. And in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people with power at a specific place for a specific person, for a specific time, and a, a, a specific purpose. And the evidence goes through. And just to mention a few, you have Joseph, and you have Moses, you have Joshua, and Gideon, David, and Solomon. And in each one of these settings and situations, and each one of these people had the Holy Spirit active in their life for a specific purpose where there was an empowering that took place. That's the evidence, that's the pattern of Scripture. Then when we get into the prophets, then we get into the prophetic uh, messages of God speaking to His people, there's a a tremoring, a, a murmuring, there's a movement that starts to happen, a change that begins. And this comes evidenced in Ezekiel chapter 39. It says there, Ezekiel receives the word of the Lord. Uh, of the Lord, and says, "I will pour out my spirit." And you'll notice it's it's not just on a person at a time for a specific task. No, he Ezekiel says the Lord says, "I will pour out my spirit upon the people of Israel." So there's an expansion. It's not just the singular. It's 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 a people now. We jump over to the, the book of Joel, and, and this even goes further where Joel receives the word from the Lord. It says, then after doing all those things, I will pour out my spirit. This is the Lord speaking through his prophet. So it's not just on David. It's not just on Joseph. It's not just on Gideon. It's not just on the people of Israel. What does it say? On all people. A further expansion of the impact and effect and the, the, the uh, personalization of the Holy Spirit in people's lives. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Get this, your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see, see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit. And he says, even on servants. Back then, servants weren't considered people. Even on servants, men and women alike, on all people. So it starts as a 
a gift of the Holy Spirit given in power for a specific person, specific place, specific task, for a specific result. It's expanded to God's people. It's expanded to all people. This is the activity all throughout the Old Testament. You see, the Holy Spirit isn't just this weird uncle who shows up on Christmas in a Winnebago with a Rottweiler. That's not the Holy Spirit, you know. Many churches nowadays would, would prefer to not talk about the Holy Spirit, that weird, that weird one of the, uh, that we just can't wrap our mind around. No, if we believe Scripture is, is true, and if we believe it is, it is the heart of God revealed to us on pages, inspired by people through the empowering of His Holy Spirit, and, and we believe that the Word of God is true, we have to believe that the whole Word of God is true. So in the same way that we roll a car out and we go, you know what, I just don't really like that, that AC option. And I just really would prefer not to have you know, cruise control. It's a part of our relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is what comes with the package. And can we simply take a step back and say, you know what, God, I know your character. I know who you are and what you're like. And I know that your gifts are good. I know your plans for me are yes and amen. And so can I simply respond to you in a way that is receptive rather than controlling? You know, coming through the Old Testament up until the, um, the Gospels, you have this increasing, um, I was going to use the word tension, but that's not right, this increasing, uh, let me use the word pregnancy of the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, if you take a, a soda bottle and you shake it, you know, if especially if it's a plastic bottle like this, you shake it, you, you feel it get tight because the pressure is building up inside. If you, if you start to study the, the person and work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, you, you sense this kind of shaking and this tension that's growing all throughout the Old Testament. And when the Gospels arrive, when Jesus comes, especially as he's talking to his disciples about the coming of the Holy Spirit, you have that tightness. And finally, we arrive in Acts chapter 2 where the top gets let go. I don't know if you've ever had especially root beer. You're shaking it up and, you know, that's what happens. That's what takes place. It's funny, back uh, shortly after we were married, I don't know if you remember this, Dan, I bet you do, because <laughs> it was quite significant. Um, uh, so we, we had lived in a one-bedroom and den apartment, really small place, and uh, our, our kitchen was completely white. White floor, white cabinets, I think our countertop might have been a different color, but, but white everything, white ceiling, uh, white appliances, everything was white. Um, so, and it was one of those kitchens where there was a, a counter between the kitchen and the living room. And so I was in the, in the living room watching TV one evening. It was probably ESPN Sports Center or something like that. And Dana was in the kitchen. Uh, I think she was preparing dinner or something like that. All of a sudden, I hear this blood-curdling scream. <laughs> I don't do a very good job at that. But um, I turn my head, and all I see is red everywhere. Like, 
It's like she's taken a knife and it's slipped and it's hit a jugular, jugular vein and there is blood spattered everywhere. It's like a bear came and mauled her and there's blood everywhere. It's on the ceiling, on the fridge, on the cupboards, it's, it's on the floor, it's everywhere. It's, she's covered from head to toe with red everywhere, everywhere. And I, could, I get up, my heart is racing. I'm thinking I got to put a tourniquet on. I'm thinking I got to do you know, CPR, all this stuff. And I come around the corner and she is laughing. And I'm like, what? What? What is going on? And I look in her hand and she's holding a, a can of tomato paste. And in her other hand is a can opener. And I don't know what was going on, but that was one supercharged can of tomato sauce or tomato paste. Because at the moment that she pierced that top of that can, that thing exploded. It 360 degree everywhere. She was covered head to toe, and we you're just sitting there, you just have to just laugh. It's <laughs> yeah, we gotta clean this up. But at the same time, it's like, oh my goodness. Can I just tell you that's the picture I get of God wanting to pour out his Holy Spirit on us? There's just this rightness, this pregnancy that, that the, the scriptures talk about, that, that when Jesus comes, and Jesus is talking about, you know what, I'm going to the Father, and hear me, I am coming back. The master plan is I am coming back to set up my kingdom here on earth, but yet in the meantime, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm giving you my Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out on you. It's not just going to be this little kind of drip, 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 drip. It's going to be, you pierce the top of that thing and the it's going. It's, it, it's happening. Take a look at, at, at what Jesus says. He says in, in uh, oh, got me going here in the New Testament. Um, uh, let's, let's look at Acts 2 uh, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, so he basically said, I want you to wait. I want you to wait in the city. I want you to wait in the city um, and to be clothed with power from on high. And so they did that. Uh, Acts 2 verse 1, it says, When the, the day of Pentecost came, and the day of Pentecost is 50 days after Passover, um, the account that we have is Jesus rose from the dead on the third day, and then he, he, uh, he revealed himself to many people over many number of days, so this time of waiting wasn't exactly 50 days. It was less than 50 days. But on the day of Pentecost, here was the, the people of God um, waiting. And it says there that they were all together in one place. And suddenly the sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Jump down to verse 12. Amazed and perplexed. They didn't have it all together. They didn't know what was going on. But they knew that this was the promised Holy Spirit. And it goes on to say, Some, however, made fun of them and said that uh, uh, they have had too much wine. And, and tonight we're going to uh, talk a little bit more about this. We're going to have a little bit more time tonight to explain th some things. But let me just tell you first and foremost, and hear this, please, that when a or when somebody uh, surrenders their life to Christ, when when you give your life to Christ and and, and um, you surrender, 
Um, and at that point of conversion, hear me, the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in your heart. Period. Okay? The Holy Spirit lives within you as a Christ follower. And yet, within Scripture, there is evidence, a whole lot of evidence, that there is a secondary, subsequent, and let me use the word encounter, with the Holy Spirit. And there's a purpose for that. Once again, we'll talk a little bit more tonight. The first, the first uh, uh, result is a greater love for God. There, the purpose is that when the Holy Spirit comes and fills us, there's this greater, greater love for the Lord. Do you know that one of the, the responsibilities, roles, and tasks of the Holy Spirit is to, and I'll use the word magnify, or expose, or to bring attention to the Son. That's the, you notice in our, in our um, worship uh, songs, we don't worship the Holy Spirit. That's, that's on purpose because the Holy Spirit's role is to deflect the attention to the Son. That is the Holy Spirit's role and responsibility. So as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, not just that, that, uh, that encounter that takes place at the point of conversion where the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence, but this this impartation of the whole, this encounter that takes place subsequently that brings a greater appreciation for who the Son is and His work in our life. Another byproduct of being filled with the Holy Spirit is a greater ability to resist sin. It doesn't make us superpowers or things like that, but just a greater ability. Do you struggle in your life? Do you, is there an ongoing repetitive struggle in your life? I would venture to say it's, it's an absence of the Holy Spirit's powering, empowering of your life. Now, does that mean you'll never sin again? No, it, it means that you will have a greater ability to say no and a greater ability to rise above those things and have victory. Another thing is we have, have, have greater courage, greater uh, uh, potency, greater effect in our mission and, and in our responsibility as, as we're, we're called to go and preach the gospel to every nation. As we do that, our, our testimony is made more powerful by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. And then finally, we're told that there are uh, oftentimes gifts that are associated with the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Gifts of faith, gifts of wisdom, gifts of discernment, gifts of prophetic knowledge and understanding. Those are all things that Scripture talks very clearly about. But you'll notice this isn't just a trickle. This isn't just a, you know, what, is it, what does Jesus say? Now wait in the city and you will be clothed with power from on high. It says that when they were in the upper room, there was the sound of a, a mighty, violent, rushing wind. This wasn't just, you know? This wasn't just, you know, some of us want to think that the Holy Spirit coming is kind of like, That's not. Nowhere in Scripture does it say the Holy Spirit coming is just... There's power. There's songs that we sung this morning about His power and His presence and just us wanting more. Someone explained it this. There's a pastor in, in, the, in the UK that explained it like this. And I think it's a, an illustration that we can all identify with. He says, when we come to Christ, the Holy Spirit takes up residence within us. But to a certain degree, it's, it's like a pilot light. Many of you have a, a gas cooktop or a, um, a water heater or a furnace that has a pilot light in it. 
The light is there. The, the fire is there. But have you ever tried on a cooktop to, to cook anything um, with a pilot light? Ever tried to boil water with a pilot light? It's possible. It'll take some time, but it, it's not effective. He talks about this, this power of the Holy Spirit coming, evidenced in Acts and evidenced in, in Ephesians and evident, evidenced in, in the Corinthian church. The power of the Holy Spirit coming is like when you grab the front dial of that, that, that cooktop and you, you turn the gas on and it goes from this pilot light to... And it's an onomatopoeic word that... You know? Of, of this power coming. And, and immediately there's heat, there's light, there's something taking place. And this is what I see in the book of Acts. This is what I see in the New Testament. This is the promised Holy Spirit that, that Jesus told His disciples about and that they waited in the upper room for His Holy Spirit to come. It's not some weird, funky, weird sort of stuff. Oh man, I just, you know. This is... God Himself, through His Son, Jesus Christ. Do we believe it or not? And if He's a good God, if He's a God who has good things in store for us, we can trust Him and we can say, you know what, I might not know exactly all the nuance, all the ins and outs and stuff, but it's like us driving this car, taking this car off of this, uh, this lot and going, you know what, I can't figure this out. I don't know exactly the inner workings and outer workings of an AC system or a, or a uh, cruise control, so you know what, I'm just going to set it over there because it has to be no good. Can we simply go, God, whatever you have for me, whatever you have for me, whatever you have for me, let's all stand and get, let's just ask the Lord to do that. Can we invite the worship team to come and join me? Can we simply ask, invite you to bow your heads, close your eyes, and just uh, in a posture of receiving, posture of receiving, Lord, uh, for many, for many, for many, for many, Lord, I know that, that this is a, a subject that um, just raises a lot of questions. And Lord, I pray that <laughs> your Holy Spirit would, would speak to us and you'd remind us of the character of Christ. You'd remind us the character of your Father, our Father in heaven a good father, a good daddy who has a plan for our life, who sent his son Jesus to save us from our sins. And we can trust, we can put our full weight on him. And Lord, we might not have all of the answers, we might not have all of the, the, the details. We might even have a whole list of reservations, Lord. But I pray today we'd simply unguard our heart to you. Open our heart. You'd soften our hearts to learn, to teach. Lord, for some of us, we got to jump into your word this week and we got to do some studying. we got to chew on some things. For others of us, Lord, we've, we, we, we know and we've experienced and yet for one reason or another, we, we've dug our heels in. Lord, I pray that you would... Uh, in essence, help us to let go of that parking brake and allow you to come in and breathe life. 
come Holy Spirit right now and speak speak life Lord I believe there are many people here uh, been struggling in their walk with you it doesn't mean that your Holy Spirit isn't there it's just the empowering of your Holy Spirit hasn't been there people struggling with relationships people struggling with faith people struggling with uh, just a boldness to live their life out people who have questions of whether you are who you say you are and Lord it, it comes back down to us trying to do things on our own and us trying to live out this life on our own terms and our own power rather than allowing your power to be at work within us so come Holy Spirit fill us now fill us with your Holy Spirit we're standing here open and available and Lord we crave and we desire what the Father has promised it's in Jesus name we pray Amen